following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's rainy. It's cold. It is nasty out there in the Auburn Opelika area. But hope you're all doing well despite all of that. We've got a lot to talk about here on the show today. Jacob, go with Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. It is a busy, busy day here at Auburn Network. We have got stuff going on all day long on multiple of our stations we have six radio stations here and uh, we've got a lot going on right now but hope you're all doing well on this tuesday afternoon on november 15th 2022 we've got a lot to talk about auburn basketball plays tonight we're going to talk about that we're also going to look at the college football standings and where everybody sits coming into the playoff rankings being released tonight the third rankings of the year in hour number two we're going to talk more auburn head coaching search and then at 3 30 like we do every tuesday we'll talk to trey wallace who covers the sec for outkick so that is what is on the agenda today we'd love to hear from you phone lines are open all the way up until we talk to trey wallace 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us that number again 334-321-1390 anything on your mind that you want to talk about anything that we're talking about you want to chime in on we'd love to hear from you call in be a part of the show show and be on the line carter happy tuesday brother how are you doing all right man it's uh kind of a dreary day outside it is you know it's it's good to be here it's good to be on the show it's good to be uh talking stuff going around and uh going on in auburn there's there's basketball we've got some gymnastics news of course we have the ever-circling Auburn coaching search. Yes, well, we're going to talk about all of that here today. And starting out, we will start with basketball because Auburn basketball plays Winthrop tonight over in Neville Arena. We were just looking at the spread before the before the show, and Auburn's favored by 18.5 points. Uh, I think it's a lot. And I said that when Auburn was 20-point favorites over South Florida on Friday because my dad and I were talking about it, and I said 20 points is a lot. I said that's a lot to win by in college basketball, and it's a lot to win by this early on in the season uh, because you just don't know truly what you're getting yourself into yet. Uh, So Auburn, 18.5-point favorites tonight. Uh, They are, according to ESPN FPI, they are – 92% chance to win tonight over in Neville Arena. So we'll see how it goes. I think it should be a good game. I think it should be an exciting game. What are you looking for tonight from Auburn offensively, defensively on the basketball court tonight? Well, I think uh, you definitely just have to look offensively. You expect that offense to start to to produce at a higher level. You don't want these, these halves of basketball where they shoot horribly. I would really prefer to see, uh, them, them, kind of, kind of up and rolling, and uh, don't, don't let the first half um, 
lull kind of set in like like they have here in the in the past few uh few games with the fact that they've let some teams crawl back in it or shot really poorly and allowed it to be a closer game than I feel like it should be at half and really command the game from from start to finish and I think that the defense will absolutely show up in this game and show out well it feels like this is a a Bruce Pearl type of mojo right where Auburn teams under Bruce Pearl have always been second-half teams. I mean, it's, it seems like every single year they have been second-half teams in the in the game itself, right? It seems like the first half they are slow offensively, maybe not as high energy, whatever it may be. And then you get to the second half, and it seems like most of the time it's a completely different team. We saw that on Friday in the South Florida game. It seemed like Auburn just wasn't ready to go. They were down by nine at the half to South Florida, and they come back and they win uh, commandingly at the end. A South Florida team that lost again last night, so they are now 0-3. There were some upsets in basketball last night. How about Northwestern State, who defeated TCU last night? Shout out to Northwestern State. I got a good buddy that works down there. So uh, how about that? I mean, that's, that's a huge upset on a top 15 squad. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're starting to see more and more of these these matchups, uh, these buy games that go south. It's it's fascinating. You saw FSU lose one. You saw uh, obviously TCU lose one. I mean there have been several so far. Tennessee been, lost to Colorado. By the way, I, I believe FSU might be zero and three to start their their year in basketball. They, they very well might be. They very well might be. I, I I know it hasn't started out great. They lost to Troy yesterday fsu did yes i'm pulling up their their basketball schedule because i legitimately i recall them being the first one to lose right they lost to stetson in the opener then lost to ucf then lost to troy Ooh. next they get florida oh that's probably not gonna go well that's probably not gonna go well for florida state i believe didn't fau just beat florida or am i am i dreaming uh, that I don't know. You'd have to double check on that. I do know you did beat Florida 76, 74. Wow. That there is are, unbelievable. See, all the more reason Auburn just has to find a way to navigate the waters. And That's right. Wins. In That's absolutely games. right. Because these are not just gimme games. We've seen it again. I think one of the bigger ones was Tennessee losing to Colorado on Sunday. It kind of flew under the radar, but that's a big one. I, I, I hadn't seen the Florida score. So they lose schools like TCU, Florida state. I mean, there are teams losing left and right to these early games, these early non-con games where the better name, the bigger name, if you will, is supposed to win more times than not. So, like you said, Auburn's got to take care of business because they've got some tougher teams in their non-con schedule. Winthrop is a team that has made the NCAA tournament multiple times in, in the last few years. And Auburn has some teams on their schedule that are like that, that if you don't play well, these teams will beat you because they are ready to go. They believe they can beat you. So if Auburn doesn't show up, especially on the offensive side, they have a chance to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... Anytime uh, these these teams come into these games and maybe they're a little bit overconfident and then they, they, they don't start quick and they kind of let a team hang around. And then just like we saw in the NCAA tournament where, where Virginia lost to, what, UMBC, if the, if the small school gets super hot from three, then, you know, they can hang in there. And, and, and if they keep filling it up... That's where you see a lot of these big upsets. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think sometimes 
it's pretty easy for teams to kind of take these games for granted when you're playing so many of them on a consistent basis. For all of our betting people out there, again, I said Auburn is 18 and a half point favorites tonight. Here's the money line. Are you ready for this? Auburn is minus 2,800 on the money line. Winthrop is plus 1,200 on the money line. That is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is ridiculous. That means if you're not a huge betting person, Auburn being minus 2,800, you have to put $2,800 on Auburn to win to win $100. Yep. That's what that means. And that's how big of a favorite they are. For Winthrop, if you put $100 on them and they win, you would win $1,200. So that's sort of where Vegas sits right now. They're pretty confident in Auburn getting it done tonight. But like we're talking about, if you don't show up, especially offensively, and can't score and can't shoot, like we've seen already from this Auburn team, mm-hmm. you've got a chance to lose. Now, one note about the game tonight is Chance Westry has been upgraded to questionable, right? I think he's he is now questionable to play tonight. Not sure if he will. We'll find out if he gets any minutes tonight. Uh, Obviously, I don't think he will start, uh, but we may be able to see him get some minutes in tonight's game, depending on what the score and situation is down the stretch. Look, if if Chance Westry is healthy and feels like he's ready to go, I'm okay to see him get in there maybe at the end uh, when, when the score is a lot to a little. Hopefully that's the case, right? But if he's still not 100% ready to go, I don't see the reason to push it just yet because you don't want him to re-aggravate anything he's got going on or hurt something else in a game like this mm-hmm. where Auburn's supposed to win by 18 or more points. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that that Auburn just needs to find a way to handle business like like we are talking about. You don't want to be one of these teams that uh, loses a bye game and ends up on a John Rothstein tweet of... <laughs> So in, of Auburn lost a bye game, the epitome of brutality, yep. as he called. Shout it. out to him, man. He's such a good. He's such a good college basketball guy, man. He's he is on top of it nonstop. Yeah, I I think it would be uh, uh, it would Auburn would get memed a lot if if that happened uh tonight. So you you certainly hope that Auburn. You may see Chance Westry. You may start to see some new faces, some new rotations. Maybe, maybe some stuff re- really gets gets going with this offense tonight. They got to shoot the ball. I mean, you got to <laughs> shoot it better. I mean, we talked about the game on Friday. I think we talked about it yesterday about how Auburn took good shots, right? I mean, this Auburn team has a lot of talent. They ran the offense pretty well on Friday. Nothing that I could really complain about a ton. I would rather them do it a little bit different, but. They at least ran the offense instead of teams in the past, especially last year, that would just dribble down and shoot the first shot they saw and miss it and run back the other way. At least on Friday and early on in this season, it seems like Auburn is at least running the offense and taking quality shots. They're just not making them right now. And they've got to find a way to do that because, believe it or not, you got to make shots to win the basketball game. So, I don't know how Auburn's going to do that. I think they need to keep doing what they're doing. I've said you got to work from the inside out. Yes. You've got Yoan Traor. You've got Jani Broom. You've got Dylan Cardwell. Those guys need to be the focal point of the offense. Jani Broom needs to get going down low. He's been a little bit tight here the first couple games. He's been, honestly, I think he's, the amount of times his shots have rattled around the rim and rolled around the rim and not fallen I feel like is a statistical anomaly at this point through through three games if you count the 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 exhibition I would expect him at some point 
to have his breakout game where I could see him going for 16, 20 points and seven or seven or eight boards and a few blocks. I mean, uh, that's that's the kind of guy that that I think he will end up being for this Auburn team. I think he needs to become, and I hope he can become, a double-double machine, right? Uh, getting getting 10 or po- more points, getting 10 or more rebounds. I think that's something he can do if he gets the playing time. Uh, I think he is still maybe adjusting to this level of basketball. Not saying that Moorhead State is not good and not a good program, because they are, and we're not even in SEC play yet, so I want to see Janai kind of get more comfortable in this season. I also want to see Yoan Treor sort of fit in his role a little bit, too. We've seen some early on high school moves from him, right, where when he was playing high school ball, he was the best player on the floor by a lot, and he was able to take on triple teams and just run through the lane and score through people, right? So I want to see him fit in his role a little bit, grow up in the college game a little bit, and I think he's going to be a fantastic player. But it turns out the Wendell Green, as of right now, is the go-to player for Auburn. When you need a bucket, he's the guy that is going to get it. He's the one that's consistently making shots, whether mm-hmm. it's jump shots, layups, free throws. He's about the only one that can knock those down consistently, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm just excited to see how this team continues. Because I mean, it's a lot of new parts. It, r- it really is. It's going to take time for yeah, them you're all right. to gel. You're right. Uh, but, but I am encouraged by the fact that 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 on defense, I feel that they have active hands and they're and they're making plays very very often and uh i'm i'm encouraged by that and i think that that as long as you have that this team will be in just about every single game they play um i (laughs) i know we 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 were just talking about florida i'll be fascinated uh to to see when the time comes a janai broom uh castleton matchup Mm. I don't know if Auburn wants that. He is he Castleton's is awesome. He has torched Auburn every time Auburn has played him, man. He is he, I don't like him because he's so good and you look at him, right, and you watch him sometimes and you're like, "Why are you so good? Like you shouldn't be as good as you are." But he is. And he's a he's a baller and he makes Auburn look silly every time he plays. But if you noticed, Auburn moved up to 13 in the new AP poll for basketball. It came out yesterday. Auburn moved up to 13 thanks to a couple of teams losing, thanks to Auburn's 2-0 start. You look at what they've got going on this week. Of course, they play Winthrop tonight. We've been talking about that. That's 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. And then on Friday, they play Texas Southern at home. Then looking ahead to next week, they have Bradley and then St. Louis. And then Colgate and Memphis, Georgia State. So Auburn's got some games on here where you're playing teams that make the NCAA tournament, right? Winthrop is on there. Texas Southern is one of those. St. Louis is one of those. Colgate is one of those. Those are teams that make the NCAA tournament by winning their conference. So these are not pushover teams. They're not pushover programs, but they're also not on the level of Auburn. And so the Tigers should be able to not only pick up some wins, but hopefully pick up some some experience and maybe pick up a little confidence as well before they go and play the likes of Memphis, USC, Washington, and then opening up SEC play hey, with Florida. Don't don't sleep on the uh, the the Cancun Challenge. Who might come out of the other side of the bracket? Very fair, and that's what tonight is. Tonight is technically 
a Cancun Challenge type of game. It's not part of the bracket, but this is like some sort of game that's a part of the Cancun Challenge. I don't quite know how that works, but, but somehow tonight's game impacts what Auburn will do in the I Cancun Challenge. I thought that was Challenge. Friday's game. Oh, is it Friday's game? I think that's Friday's game. Maybe I'm wrong then. I could be I could yeah, be wrong. I, I believe it's like a Texas the Texas Southern game or something. Okay. Or well, maybe it is I then. Right? Yeah, maybe it is. Well, I'm going to yeah, look it up. I think Texas Southern is the Cancun Challenge game. And then Auburn gets Bradley. And then the winner of Northwestern and Liberty. Hey, your boys. They're they're playing Georgetown tonight, actually, in in about three hours on FS1. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to we'll have to. I'll keep watch it at it. some point. Yeah, we'll keep an eye. No, I think it is. No, it is Winthrop. Okay, I just pulled is up the really? Cancun Challenge on on their website. Why, yeah. Why are we playing a game in between the Cancun Challenge game and Texas Southern? Uh, who knows? That's because, what I'm saying. Because Northwestern's campus game for the Cancun Challenge is not until I believe Thursday or Friday. Well, that would make more sense. Yeah. But. I don't know. Yeah, let's see. It's you've got Auburn, Bradley, Liberty, Northwestern. Uh, you've got Southern Miss, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Eastern Michigan, and Winthrop. So, and Southern Miss is on there. I think I said them. So, there's some big-ish names. I mean, Auburn's the biggest name on this list for sure. Uh, and then I don't know where you go after that. I but Auburn should have a good time playing at the Cancun Challenge again. Tonight's game, it impacts it somehow. Again, I don't think it directly impacts the bracket or anything, but it is part of the Cancun Challenge tonight. Game one, the campus game for Auburn. They play Winthrop tonight and Texas Southern on Friday. There's no doubt about this team's got to figure out how to shoot. If they can do that and start making baskets defensively, you notice we didn't say hardly anything about that. Defense is just fine. The defense is phenomenal. Exactly. It's going to continue to be phenomenal unless somebody just goes berserk from deep against Auburn. I don't see anybody putting up huge numbers against them. Which will keep this team in every single ball game that they play. It's exciting. We know the talent level on this team. They've got a lot of potential. And I've said, and I can still see it, if the shooting gets better, this year's team will be better than last year's team. Let's get to our first break here in hour number one. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Question of the day. It's about coaching and coaching searches when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn Opelika sports leader. It's a different type of question, and I'm curious to see what you have to say about it, Carter, and also what our listeners have to say as well. It, it revolves a little bit around Auburn. Auburn does have a play in this, but with everything going on, it's that type of year where, and it's that time of year where coaching changes are made new hires are made whether it's in the nfl whether it's in college football any other type of sport right the question is is coaching experience important when hiring a new head coach at any level and i know a lot of you would listen to that and say well duh but look at some programs and look at some teams right look at the indianapolis colts your professional team They hired Jeff Saturday, a former player, had zero coaching experience, and everybody blasted the Colts for doing it. He goes out and wins his first game on Sunday. Now, that's just one game, but the Colts won, right? You look at what Auburn's doing. They just fired their head coach. They're looking for another head coach, and the conversation a lot of times has been, 
well, that guy doesn't qualify. He's never been a head coach at this level. Or he doesn't qualify. He's never been a head coach ever, right? But look at Cadillac Williams. He's come in, and in two games, he gets his first win as a head coach. And so is coaching experience important when hiring a new coach? And to what extent does the experience have to have? What does your resume got to look like to get a head coaching job, whether it's at the pros or in college? I think it's a really interesting conversation. Yeah, okay, so I think that this is – there's two different parts to this question. I think coaching experience in general, um, talking about the Colts, I think it's extremely stupid that what's happening. I know they won and they are my team, but I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't get it. Oh, it makes zero sense. And if you're a player in that locker room, what are you thinking when you're like, wait, this guy who has not been in the building every day since we've been busting our butt over the over the summer through mini camp and and preseason and everything and all that, he hasn't been here and now he's literally parachuting in and is like what's up guys i'm head coach jeff saturday and you're just like i don't get it it's it's i I, that's an unbelievably difficult situation i feel like um and yeah i mean i i i think that that one's foolish and stupid and the explanation by um the explanation by jim ursay is even dumber. Like the more he talked about it, about how much he loved it, and and he loved that he didn't have any experience because co- coaches in today's game are scared and run behind analytics, which is also doesn't make sense because when you're using analytics, you're generally using it to decide to go for it more, to be more aggressive. Correct. Which seems like the opposite of being scared, uh, because if you were scared, wouldn't you punt more? I mean, or kick field goals yeah. more often. Sounds about right. Um, but I so that one is stupid. The Cadillac Williams one. Okay, I I get it. There head there is a path that has been set by some people to go from position coach to to head coach without that intermediary step of being a coordinator. You see it with Sam Pittman right now at Arkansas. You see it with Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. I th- it's absolutely pos- possible, and you can absolutely do it if you have all the right qualities and all the right the right experience. I still think experience is key. Cadillac Williams has shown he has all of the right qualities. He absolutely does. He has all all the leadership. He is he is. Showing the ability to be a CEO and not micromanage his coaches, which we've continued to hear about how Harson did that in every aspect. And um, but the difference between a situation like Cadillac Williams and a situation like Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney was a coach from 1993 to 2008 before he got the interim job and then got elevated to head coach in 2009. So he had 15 years of experience being a college coach. And and Cadillac has been a college coach for four years. Four years, two years under Malzahn, two years under Brian Harson. He is the interim head coach. I think he can be the head coach in the future. I absolutely believe it. I but I I I think it's 
a little bit foolish and and to to assume that he's ready to take over a program year-round right now and take this leap from running backs coach to head coach. I think that that's a really difficult ask, and he'd probably tell you that as well. I think he could succeed down the road, but I have I have questions. How is he going to fill out a staff? Because we know Gus Malzahn's coaching tree is extremely closed off. And and how would he be able to fill out a staff from that? He has two years of that and two years of Brian Harson, where two, what half to two thirds of the staff was some sort of Boise connection and all got canned. You aren't going to go to them to fill out the staff. I mean, it would be difficult. There'd be challenges that that I don't think Cadillac has had the experience in the building to to prepare for. The network's not there. I think you can set him up to potentially be the guy after this guy maybe i think i think that 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 can absolutely be the case but i would probably i mean if you injected cadillac with truth serum and you said like hey are you ready right now to be the 24/7 365 head coach at Auburn? he may not say yes Question of the day, how important is coaching experience when hiring a new head coach at any level? It's an interesting conversation. We'll talk about it more in hour number two. But we're going to talk the college football playoff and the results from this past weekend, how it all plays out with the new rankings coming out tonight. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on this rainy, dreary, cold Tuesday afternoon in the Auburn Opelika area. It's Tuesday, which means the new college football playoff rankings will be released tonight. Of course, we saw some shakeup in the top 25 from last week coming into tonight. And when you look at the teams that are ranked that played over the weekend, Georgia, easy win. Ohio State, easy win. Michigan, easy win, right? Then you look at TCU and Texas, where this was a game where a lot of people thought that Texas could beat TCU and knock the Big 12 out of college football playoff contention altogether. That was not the case. As TCU defeats Texas on the road, they are still undefeated in the the season in Big 12 play, I expect them to be remaining in that top four of the college football playoff. As you look at the rest of it, Tennessee, easy win. The one big shakeup you had, maybe two if you want to count it, Oregon losing to Washington, right? That was a big one because now we can all agree that the Pac-12 is most likely out unless USC does something, which... But but I, I do think that it's it's a fascinating question to ponder. Where would USC stack up against a two-loss LSU and a one-loss Tennessee? And potentially a one-loss Ohio State? I think all of those teams have, maybe not Ohio State. Well, but well I, I picked Ohio State because their resume as a one-loss team would be significantly stronger than Michigan's. Yes, because Michigan's strength of schedule is terrible. It's awful, yes. Ohio like, State's they, they isn't much better, They have to though. win out. They, they played 
Notre Dame in the opener, and they've played the same teams in the in the division that that Michigan has. Right. I guess they they don't get the crossover game with Illinois, which is not an impressive one anymore now. Correct. Apparently. It was never impressive. <laughs> it was never impressive. Let's just be honest. But no, I think with with the Pac-12, uh, USC is really the only shot with Oregon losing over the weekend. You had LSU squeak by Arkansas in an ugly game. Alabama defeats Ole Miss. That is probably now out of the, the question. The top six will not change. So in reality, everybody that's listening, there's no reason to watch this tonight. That's sort of the argument, <laughs> is what a lot of people <laughs> the, have been saying. The top yeah, top six quite literally, or well, well, well Oregon drops. Oregon will drop. Oregon so. drops. LSU climbs into that sixth spot. We know the top six in order. They're going to be Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, and LSU. Congratulations. I saved you an hour of television. There you go. Now you can watch the Auburn game in peace <laughs> and not have to worry about it. But well, well, um, apparently it's after all these basketball games tonight. It's at like 9 p.m. East, uh, Eastern time, I think, maybe. Because they know nobody will watch it? Because I think I think ESPN's got, got bigger basketball games on in front. Oh, and, you and know what one. tonight is, don't you, in college basketball? Is Tonight's our, the, it's our first ranked matchup. Yeah, it's our big games tonight in college Thank basketball. God. It's about yeah. time. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, they better move the college football playoff rankings back because they've got Kentucky-Michigan State at 6 o'clock, and then you've got Duke and Kansas at 8.30. So, yeah, you can move the college football playoff. Now, are they doing it in between games? They've done that before. Are they doing it in between, or are they doing it after everything else? Do you know? It looks to me like they might try to sneak it in in between games. That's what they've done in the past. Kentucky-Michigan State play for two hours, and they'll finish at eight. And then they're playing, I'm assuming, at the same location. So you you have to have that 30-minute warm-up period, and they're going to capitalize on that and go college football playoff reveal in the middle there at eight. And then go yep. the the, the yep. second game. Yeah, they're they're both of those games are being played in Indy. They're playing at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So both of those games played at the same location. So that's exactly how they're going to do it. They're going to play Kentucky, Michigan State, college football playoff rankings, Duke, Kansas. I'm going to call my shot here. Uh oh, Michigan State. I think they pulled the upset against wow. against Kentucky. Okay, okay, they played good against Gonzaga. They blew it they're, against Gonzaga. They're more battle tested. I mean, what Kentucky's played Duquesne and Howard. Good for you guys. Yeah, yeah. And, Kentucky and favored by seven tonight Michigan over Michigan State. Michigan State has played Northern Arizona, okay, fair, same time kind of level, but Gonzaga and hung with them the whole way. They lost by a point. Yeah, they did. They And they were winning that game for a while. They were up by double digits in that ball game. And they had to deal with the outdoor elements because they're playing on a boat. They played on a boat. Yeah. It, it looked cool, but it would be miserable to actually do that, to play on an aircraft carrier. Like, to, to actually play the game of basketball – not really ideal, but shout out, shout out the ESPN app for trying to sneak Gardner Webb UNC in between those two on the app on just like the scores page for me. Is like, uh, I yeah. don't, I don't care. About You're not that tuning game. in seven o'clock on the ACC network for <laughs> no. Gardner Webb North Carolina. That sounds awful. Yeah, it does. And then of course eight thirty, number seven Duke, number six Kansas. That'll be exciting. So. First big game for John Shire. Yeah, it is the first big game for John Shire. They're favored by a point and a half over Kansas. I think they I think that's just because on raw on the on paper they are a more talented team, probably. But I bet you at this point in the year, I'll go with the 
better coach, the more experienced coach in Bill Self. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. I'm going to take the better coach who will outcoach the young guy in Bill Self with Kansas. Both of those games should be really good. Uh, obviously, Auburn plays the same time, 6 o'clock, but I'll have both of them on as kind of just keeping up with it. If you knock that drink over, it's over. I'm just letting you know. a disastrous yeah, time. It's, it's it. going to be brutal in here. But, yes, college football playoff rankings in between those basketball games and not really talking about the drama going on tonight because there really is no drama, but we're starting to figure out a little bit what the drama is going to be at the end of the season because you've got Georgia, you've got Ohio State, you've got Michigan, you've got uh, Tennessee, you've got TCU, you've got LSU, who could still sneak in there. You've got USC, who could still do some crazy things and try to sneak their way into it. I don't think that will happen. Uh, They will either A, lose another game, or B, the playoff committee will just not put them in there because it's the Pac-12. So I don't think that's an option. The drama is going to be if LSU beats Georgia or if Michigan beats Ohio State or if, if Tennessee obviously they're going to win out so they're just waiting and hoping for something to happen for them to sneak in so that is what's going to be interesting down the stretch is watching what happens with all of those teams yeah it's I mean it's going to be I'm going to enjoy watching how this shapes out because there are going to be a list of teams that 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 are going to feel like they uh are on the outside looking in and deserve a shot and I always love to watch as long as uh the programs that I support are not the ones on the outside looking in, or at least with the argument. Uh, it's fun to watch other fan bases get upset. They do get upset, and that's why we're seeing the college football playoff be expanded eventually, whether uh, they haven't fully decided on what year that will be looking at 25. Uh, but that's why, right? I mean, you take a year like this where as of right now there's six or seven teams that can make an argument for it and I bet you're probably going to have five or six that at the end of the year are going to be able to make an argument for it and so that is why an expanded college football playoff is coming in the very near future Uh, I think if you look at teams that are just in a 100% make it it's Georgia I mean I think Georgia as long as they don't lose a game in the regular season between now and then which I don't think they will they should be fine. Even if they lose to LSU in the championship game, I still think Georgia's in easily. Wait, so you're saying Kentucky's not going to get off the mat and and pull that upset? That I really we, wish. That we thought was going to potentially happen at the beginning of the year. I said this was going to be the game to decide the I SEC I said East. Kentucky was going to win the East. I don't think I pulled the trigger on that. I think I, I, I made myself not do it. I wanted to so bad, but I told myself not to do it, and I'm glad I did because... They're obviously not winning these. So, no, I I wish this game was going to be worth more this weekend, but it's not. So, Georgia, I think they're in regardless. Uh, I think that Ohio State, we've talked about this, the winner of Ohio State-Michigan is in, the loser is out, even though Michigan's ranked, uh, like, their strength of schedule is, like, 85th or something like that. It's in the 80s. Like, it is bad. It's really, really bad because of the Big Ten being what it is and their non-con schedule being what it is. Uh, TCU... They got to keep winning. If they win, they're in. If they lose, I don't know if they'll be put in over somebody with the likes of Tennessee. Now, the question would then become, what happens to a one-loss TCU that is a Big 12 champion? What happens to USC if they win the Pac-12? And Tennessee is not a conference champion because they will not be. They're not going to Atlanta. What happens with Tennessee with their only loss being Georgia, assuming that they went out? 
Yeah, I tell you what, they need to root very, very heavily th- for Georgia t- to continue to win out. Well, well, how about this? If LSU wins and gets in, then their argument is they went to LSU and blew the doors off the SEC champion. So then could you possibly get three SEC teams in I there? Th- I think there's a chance. There's a chance because if that's the case, then how could you leave Tennessee out if, just like Carter said, if LSU beats Georgia and LSU gets in the conversation and they get into the playoff, then just like Carter said, Tennessee said, hey, don't forget about us. We went to Baton Rouge and embarrassed them on national television. So really, as long as those two teams don't lose in, in the regular season – Tennessee's got a, and Tennessee continues to win out. Tennessee's got at least a decent argument. It's either our only loss is to the SEC champion that rolled through everyone, or are we went to the SEC champion's house and embarrassed them. College football fans are going to be so mad when SEC gets three teams in. When it happens, they are going to be livid. I'm going to love it. It's going to be Michigan and three SEC teams because TCU is going to find a way to choke down the stretch. Uh, USC is going to find a way to lose one of these final few games. You said and Michigan. Do you think they beat Ohio State? I'm starting to think so. Wow. I'm starting to think so because their defense is legit. I think I think their, their defense is good, and I think that they're still built for that kind of like bully ball that they played last year that, that beat Ohio State. Maybe they can do it two years in a row. And we've seen slow starts from Ohio State in some games where they haven't, again, they haven't started out the best, and maybe Michigan can jump on them a little bit and prevent them from putting up 50, 60 points. I'm interested, but yeah, that's exactly right. If USC loses, they're out. If TCU were to drop a game and not win their conference championship, they're out. The SEC would have a legitimate chance to make four teams. Uh, four, three of the four would be SEC squads because, again, I just don't see how the loser of Ohio State and Michigan, their schedule's just not strong enough. They're, they just don't play anybody because of how bad the Big Ten is right now. The loser is out. The winner will be in. Clemson's not going anywhere in there because they already lost in an embarrassing fashion to Notre Dame, and we know what the ACC is. There is a legitimate chance for the SEC to get three teams in the college football playoff. Now, things would have to fall Tennessee's way. Things would have to fall LSU's way because that's a big upset to beat Georgia. But if they do it, Possibly, a, a, there's a chance. There's a chance the SEC can get three teams in there. I mean, be, college football would lose its mind if that happened. Yeah, especially especially if one of those, if it's all three SEC teams just look really, really good in the playoff. Like, if the SEC, two SEC teams have play, if it's a really close game, competitive game, awesome game, and then if the other SEC team wins, blows the doors off, it would have to be your Big Ten champion, Ohio State or Michigan, then, then the, the the panic and the the outrage about the the SEC would be extremely loud. I love it. I absolutely love it. Please make it happen. So we're cheering against USC, against TCU, uh, against Ohio State or Michigan. Doesn't matter which one. What about if one of them goes and they beat each other, obviously, and then they go and they happen to lose to Illinois. Whoever it is gonna uh, over there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what uh, what happens if they lose that game. I don't know. I don't I like Are you That'd trying so are you bad, trying man. to figure out a way to get a to get a fourth SEC team in this thing? 
Yeah, somehow, somehow, here comes some. Here comes Ole Miss from from the back row, man. Nah, I'm just kidding. I think the SEC can get three teams in, though. I don't yep. think it happens, but there is a shot and there is a path, like you like to say, for that to happen. Let's get to our final break in hour number one. When we come back, we'll get to the phone lines and wrap up this first hour of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Matt, thanks for holding on through the break. You're on the line. Hi, guys. Uh, just curious. Um, what do you think is harder to do? Win a championship in D1 Power 5 or D2 or D3? In football, I assume? Yeah. Well, I think I think right now if you're just if you're parachuting into generic um, P5 program, I think it's absolutely harder to do at 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 a P5 school right now because you have the established kind of juggernauts in the sport of Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, Michigan's kind of knocking on the door there. Clemson is still hanging around that group. I mean, you've got this group of of established elite programs, and you'd have you'd have to fight your way through that. And I think that that would be extremely extremely difficult to do at a generic P five school. And Matt, for me, I would say Power Five as well because I when when you asked the question, my 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 head went to this. Think about high school sports, right? Think about like a seven A school like Auburn High versus a one A school. Why is Auburn High better than a one A school? Why is a seven A school better than that one A? They have more talent, right? But why is it tougher to win? Because everybody's got that level of talent. Same thing in Power Five football versus D two or D three, right? Schools like Carter just talked about, the big-time Power 5 programs, they've all got talent. And if you're trying to chase them, you're not going to out-talent them because they've got just as much, if not more, in D2 or D3. If you pick up a few guys here and there, you can out-talent almost anybody with less guys than what it takes at a bigger level. And I would cite like a yeah. a, a Georgia Southern, a school that, that dominated the FCS running the triple option. And when you look at the FBS level, triple option teams, I mean, you had Georgia Tech kind of was good there for a while, but like it's really freaking hard to have sustained success. And like you can kind of get cute with your scheme and stuff, I think, at the lower levels and, and kind of coach your way to championships. At the Power Five, you got to go, go get the guys. And I think that's a completely different challenge. Well, here's my thing. I'm trying to figure – there's a lot of frauds out there like Jimbo Fisher and Ed Orgeron and these coaches that they are blessed with the, the influx of talent, but they're not good coaches. Like like a Brian Kelly, he's a really good coach. He won it at a D3 level. My question to you guys is, would a coach that's formerly coached at, let's say, North Dakota State that's currently at Kansas State, he's won a bunch of D2 uh, national championships. Do you think that that success can translate – to the Power 5 SEC level. And, and I guess I'm trying to say is the frauds like a Jimbo that had a, a lightning in a bottle year with James Winston. Can, can can we get more sustained success out of someone that has won at a lower level and has more experience? Like like Bruce Pearl. He's won a – or he's been to a championship in a, a lower, uh, lower conference division. 
Yeah, I think, well, here's my thing. Winning winning says a lot. It doesn't matter what level you're at. If you win and you win championships, that says something. And that carries over to wherever you go. Uh, but obviously, you've got to... You've got to adjust, right? Well, I mean, shoot, we saw it with Brian Harson. He was winning at Boise, but he couldn't do it at Auburn because he didn't adjust and make changes and and step up his game, right? Well, Same he was thing. A fraud, like Jimbo. I, I put, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So, can it translate from a smaller school, smaller program, smaller conference to a bigger school program or conference? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, winning carries a lot of weight. But if you don't adjust properly, then you're not going to be successful and Sure, you can get lucky like I think Jimbo Fisher did with Jameis Winston, like you mentioned. And sure, you can get that early success, but long term, it doesn't always translate, and we're seeing that right now. I don't know. I just think it'd be very interesting to see if see if 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 a a Auburn or a a a, a school the size of Auburn could pluck a, a D two like multiple champ like the the coach of Kansas State. He came from uh, North Dakota State, won a ton of championships up there. If we were to get him, how do you think he could replicate that success in the SEC, or do you think that's just a product of, of the uh, environment he was in? I Look, I think he built something awesome at North Dakota State. I think he's doing very well at Kansas State. I think the SEC is a different animal. It'd be we, tough. We, we just saw that with Brian Harson. You need to kind of... But get so he never culture. built anything. Horson never built anything. He just he just I, inherited I, I, it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he does. He has not been to the South, and under he did, he may not understand the football culture of the South. I think that is just as important, if not more so, than necessarily just building something somewhere else. I think you you need to get it in the Southeastern Conference. It's a different animal. It's all about recruiting 24-7. I promise you, there's coaches that have built stuff elsewhere that that may not understand that in the Southeastern Conference, there's a reason why Kirby Smart's on his phone every time he's away from practice or a game. Which is why somebody like Matt Rule, I don't think would be, somebody like him would not be in consideration for this job. Matt, we got to get to break, man. Great question. That's a really good conversation. We appreciate you calling in, man. Good to hear from you. Hour number one is in the books. We've got a lot more Auburn football coaching talk when we come back. It's all coming up in hour number two. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this rainy, gloomy, wet, nasty Tuesday. <laughs> However many other words you can come up with to describe what the weather is right now in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can find a commercial free right after the show uh, on ESPNAU.com. Carter's answering the phones. We will get to the phone lines in just a second. Uh, But as we get started here in hour number two, talking updates on the Auburn head coaching search. We'll talk about that some after we get to the phone lines. Then we'll have question of the day. Then at 3.30, we'll talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. He does great work for them. He's always a great guest on the show. We love talking to him. So he will join us at 3.30. So that is what is on uh, on schedule for hour number two but let's start with the phone lines 334-321-1390 Terry you're on the line welcome in good rainy afternoon guys how y'all doing doing, doing well right, Terry. Terry what you how got are you pretty good Jacob you don't really think that's going to happen do you let three SEC teams in no National no not let that happen. I know I, I'm trying to well, speak it into existence Terry <laughs> I the, my counter would be if USC loses to UCLA, they're out. Or if they lose in the Pac-12. And then if TCU loses in the Big 12 championship, and then you have a three, you have a two or three loss Big 12 champion, and Clemson drops, I, I, I guess they try to push Clemson in there, but their resume is awfully weak. I know, Carter. That's, that's not going around, Joe. Or just scratch your ear. Right. Uh, look, I don't think it will actually happen. Do I want it to? Absolutely, because I just want it to show how dominant the SEC is and how good of a conference it is and how weak the rest of college football is right now. Do I think it will actually happen? No. But, Terry, there is a slight chance that it could happen. Zero chance. Zero well, chance. Well, I There's just a better t- chance of Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump having dinner tonight. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to put it, I guess. I don't think that's a fair statement. I think there's absolutely a chance that that this happens. No, 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 absolutely. Not. And 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 Carter, have you cooled? Have you cooled your heels a little bit about Dan Lanning after they took a loss Saturday night? Oh no, I think he's a great coach. I I, I think that 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 a loss needed to have happened in order for for the timeline to match up with with Auburn. I mean, have have you cooled? Have you cooled your jets at all since uh, UConn beat Liberty and Hugh Freeze? Not, not, not at all. <laughs> oh, oh, man. oh man! Oh man! That was good. That was good. But see, there's always rebuttal. That's always rebuttal, right? But look, I mean, just because a coach loses doesn't mean he's not a qual- uh, yeah a candidate. But it was a legitimate question. I'll give you that. I'm just it was legitimate. Take it Carter a little bit. Well, what about Lane Kiffin? He lost to Alabama. I mean, if he can't beat him, well, you know, I'm just kidding. No, Everybody just kidding. lost. That's right. Listen, Everybody if Alabama lost. Alabama don't have. If Alabama don't have Bryce Young, they've got three or four losses. I 100 percent agree. True. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. Um, now the question, the question of the day, you guys were talking about it, coaching wise. I think it depends on the school doing the hiring because some jobs are just not, and I think Auburn's one of these, it's just not an on-the-job training place. So, yes, it does matter. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, you just can't. You're, you don't want to be on-the-job training in the Southeastern Conference, especially in the Western Division. I think, okay, the 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 point that I, I see what you're going at here, like 
Specifically about Cadillac, I, I agree. I don't think that there's enough experience there, but I think that there is a situation where you can set him up to potentially be the guy after this sure. next hire. Absolutely. How old is Cadillac? Probably 40, 39, I think he's I think he's 40. Something in 40, there. 40, 41. So he, he follows the track. By the time he's 50, he could be the head coach at Auburn. He very yeah. well could. He very well could. But I think uh, what we figured out with the, and just like you said, Terry, what we have figured out with not just Auburn, but the SEC is, and it's sort of what we were talking about with Matt to end the first hour, is you have to have a guy that is trained and experienced in the Southeastern Conference in some way, shape, or form. So for this sort of a job, absolutely, coaching experience is necessary. Does it absolutely have to be head coaching experience? No, but you've got to have some form of experience in coaching in the SEC because if you don't, we have already found out, it just doesn't work. And Terry, I hate that it's that way. I hate that this is the way it is. But nobody has said it like that. That's just how good the Southeastern Conference is. I mean, we're talking about possibly having three teams in the playoff. I mean, that's how good this conference is. So you can't just come in here and learn on the job. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's not on the, the guy that I think is not – and I hope it, I was hoping he'd be mentioned for the Auburn job, but he, and he might have been mentioned, you know, a little bit, not much. But I think he's going to be a great head coach. That's Jamie Chadwell of Coastal Carolina. I think, he's going, I think somebody's going to get him, and they're going to be mighty proud they did. I think I could see that at a at a place maybe potentially if some jobs opened uh in the in the SEC West and it, if you did see a Lane Kiffin to Auburn move, I could see his name pop up at Ole Miss. I think he's a great coach. I think he's fantastic and I I just think the time is the time is approaching rapidly that he's his next destination. I really I really believe that. He's and he's a guy that I don't think would need a lot of because he's already been a head coach at a successful program. Yeah, that, and that's a name that I haven't really thought about. So that's another one that you can throw your – it's one of those guys that unfortunately probably won't get his get his shot at the Auburn job, but uh, it's definitely an interesting name and somewhere – like you said, somebody's got to pick him up and probably be pretty happy they did. I don't, I don't just don't want him going to somewhere like Vanderbilt because it's like, less like being drafted by Tampa Bay in 1980. You go there to die, right? Yeah, you go there to your career's over with. Yeah, unfortunately. Have a great day. Stay dry. Yeah, appreciate it, Terry. Good to hear from you. That is Terry joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line to start hour number two. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. I am a big Jamie Chadwell fan. I think that what he's done oh, he's great. has yeah. been phenomenal. When when he's had uh, his, his quarterback, what's his quarterback's first name? I know it's McCall. Is it Grayson? Grayson McCall? It sounds it might right. Be. It's McCall well, when, for sure. When when he is healthy, I know he's banged up now. They are one of the toughest teams to beat in the Sun Belt, and what they've done over the last three years has been nothing short of re- remarkable. I think that's the hire South Carolina should have made personally. I don't think. Um, I don't think that the the hire of Shane Beamer is going to work out long term. I think year one was a little fluky. Year two, they were they thought they were riding very high and mighty, and then, well, they're about to get their teeth kicked in for the final three weeks of the year. Well, man, who do you hire at South Carolina that's actually going to be successful there? I mean, that's what I put South I put the South Carolina job right there with, almost right there with like a Kentucky Vanderbilt type of job because. How in the world do you be successful at South Carolina? Because with what Clemson is right now, obviously that's about impossible to recruit against them. Plus, sure, you wear the SEC patch on your jersey, but 
you're recruiting against everybody else and you're on one side of the country and it's not like South Carolina's coming into the state of Alabama and Georgia a whole lot and winning those recruiting battles. So who in the world does South Carolina hire that's going to be good? I mean, they had their guy Spurrier for a long time and he was good, but he still was not I mean he wasn't winning national championships in South Carolina so yeah but I mean at at that point in time things weren't exactly um it wasn't nobody at in kind of in the care Clemson had not emerged yet right and now and now that's very very difficult like they, they they were one of the better teams in the west Georgia had not risen yet uh it was easier then than it is yes. now and now I think it's it's just so hard I think I think you have honestly I think you need somebody like Jamie Chadwell who's got such a unique cutting-edge offense and has been in the Carolinas like he has been right now. I'm a little shocked they didn't hire him. It wouldn't shock me to see him in the SEC relatively soon. I agree. I think I think South Carolina, if the Shane Beamer thing doesn't go the way that they think it will go, I think he'd be a great hire to go there. And unfortunately, again, South Carolina is one of those programs where – you cannot have extremely high expectations because they are not going to be met. I mean, that's just that's just the state of college football. That's the state of South Carolina football right now. You're not going to out-recruit Clemson. You're not going to out-recruit Georgia. You're not going to out-recruit most of the teams in the SEC. So, I mean, I would put South Carolina recruiting-wise – uh, on a year-to-year basis, they're bottom five of the SEC, and you're just not going to get any better than that, unfortunately for them. So you've got to go find a coach if you're South Carolina that can just win you some ball games, right? Go out and get a stud on the recruiting trail every now and then, and just win some football games, make bowl games. That's pretty much what South make an SEC championship every now and then, right? That's what South Carolina is. But that's a really good recommendation from from Terry. So we appreciate him, and that sort of gets into what we were going to talk about in this segment is updates on Auburn's head coaching search, right? We don't really have any solid, just groundbreaking information that is 100% truthful, but. We do know that it's coming soon, and we are looking at less than two weeks from when we think Auburn should and will make the announcement of who their next head coach is going to be. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you will see this, this process will speed up. It has to because you, with the Auburn head coaching job, you need somebody in place. I think I, I, think I may have seen maybe J.G. Tate say something like this on Rivals where he gave it kind of just like a in his own head deadline of like Wednesday of next week because you need it of be, next week yes interesting because like in terms of having it locked up oh gotcha locked gotcha up, not, okay. not, not announced okay gotcha I guess technically but locked up because you need to be able to hit the ground running and go hammer the portal when that opens up a few days after the Iron Bowl, and then do something with this early signing class, and 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 fill out a staff and get going as as quickly as possible. Yeah, I agree. I think that yeah, you've got to have this thing locked down by next week sometime. Make the announcement Sunday or Monday after the Iron Bowl, because then, just like you said, you've got transfer portal window, you've got early signing period, and the month of December has become one of, if not the most important months of the college football season because of all of the players and all of the moving parts that are going on in that month. You've got to have your new coach in place. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think that this is – we're getting to crunch time. 
and something's got to got to shake loose here. Well, one way or the other. Something's happening. I mean, they're not just sitting back and waiting on somebody to call them. Auburn is making phone calls. They have reached out to people. They are making moves. And I can't stress enough how we are not going to know until we just know, right? I mean, you can you can read on different sites and hear from different people and all that. Nobody is going to truly know until right up when Auburn's going to make this announcement. I mean, again, we did not learn about Cohen being the athletic director until a couple of days before he was hired. So we've learned that President Roberts is keeping things pretty close to the chest. I would assume that John Cohen would as well. Before we get to the break, you saw the news about, I know you saw it, the gymnastics news from Auburn today. Suni Lee announces that this will be her final year competing yep. for Auburn as she is going to go back and focus on professional gymnastics and push for the Olympics coming up in a few years. Good for her. I mean, this this year this year would be would be her final year. And and she talked about how much she loved her time at Auburn and how she always wanted to come to Auburn and how it's played out like that. And I and um she needs to go ch- chase her dream of trying to to defend this Olympic gold medal in Paris in 2024, and more more power to her. And, well, she's good and, enough to do it. We know that. We should be grateful for the time that she spent at Auburn and how her presence has elevated that gymnastics program to new heights. And not just the gymnastics program, just athletics in general. I mean, Auburn Auburn is being seen on a global stage when she goes and competes. Everybody's talking about, yep, she went to Auburn. She competed for Auburn. She won meets at Auburn, right? That is big for Auburn athletics. And you want to talk about NIL in today's age? Remember when when Alabama fans tried to be like, oh, she hates her time at Auburn. That's why she's never at Auburn. And she was like at every sporting event possible last year. Yeah. She wasn't at Auburn because she was competing for Dancing with the Stars. So I, I I think she gets a pass on that when she's doing competing on national television. I think that's okay. But you want to talk about NIL in today's age? Somebody that has absolutely crushed it and done better than everybody else? SUNY Lee. That girl is making oh, yeah. some money in NIL. She just had her Cliff Bar uh, Instagram interview yep. slash ad thing. Yeah. Which was pretty she good. Was, she was walking on the balance beam while being interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. It was no, funny. I watched it. It was. It yeah. was. She was wearing a, a she was wearing a Cliff Bar costume. <laughs> yeah. And look, man, she is she is what a lot of people unfortunately look down upon when it comes to NIL because she has made so much money. But I look at it as as, as a positive. And look, I'll admit, years and years ago, I used to be one of those. I used to say, look, College athletes, sure, they can make money, but is it really necessary for them to just make millions and millions and millions of dollars? I don't think so. But now I've changed because when you see how it impacts them and how it impacts the team, because I thought all of that was going to be negative, we haven't seen that side of it yet. And SUNY Lee has cashed in and credit to her because I like like business, and this is business stuff right here. Making money off of your name, image, and likeness is prime time and she has killed it more than anybody we've seen in college athletics i think i mean she has just absolutely and gymnastics nonetheless granted her name image and likeness is worth a lot more than this other athlete at auburn and and she can profit a lot more off it but the only other person i I have seen that has the only i guess two athletes that i've seen that are as good at leveraging nil are morgan lee oldham on the gymnastics team and owen papo yeah those two 
are unbelievable at, at how they handle NIL. It's it's phenomenal. Right. I, I follow that's a good point. I follow both of them and especially Morgan Lee Oldham on social media because when you see it, it's like once a week she's posted something new about some dude new deal that she's with or some new company that she's promoting something for. It's unbelievable. Papo, hey, Papo smartly leveraged it all to basically get all his stuff all his expensive expenses essentially paid for good, good, for, good him. for him and that's what you're i mean that's what you're supposed to do right yeah. i mean that's how you're supposed to use it so he got and, a, a new mattress out of it all these great great ways to go about whatever it. it takes hey get whatever you can get man just uh, that's awesome but look nil has been so big suny lee has been the champion of that she's been the champion of auburn gymnastics she has elevated the program she's elevated auburn athletic and everybody should be extremely thankful and grateful that she came to Auburn and enjoy her last season as she announced today this will be her final year competing for Auburn and then she'll go back and focus on competitive gymnastics and trying to defend her gold medal in the Olympics but let's get to our first break here in hour number two we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 more on the Auburn coaching search when we come back you are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Be sure to stay tuned in about six or seven minutes. We'll have Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. He'll join us at 3.30 here on the show. He joins us every Tuesday. We enjoy having him on. He is uh, always a lot of fun, and uh, he definitely just lays it all out there. Tells you exactly like it is, and that's how we like it. So we'll have Trey Wallace joining us at 3.30 coming up in just a few minutes. But as we talk some more about the uh, Auburn head coaching search, right, and just speculating everything that's going on of course we know that Kiffin is the the favorite we know he is the one that most people want not everybody not everybody there's a lot of people that want Hugh Freeze or some Deion Sanders fans still there's some people who are Dan Lanning fans or Matt Rule fans or I mean there's a lot of people in this conversation right but I think we can all agree that Lane Kiffin is at least the favorite. If you were a betting man, I think your money would have to go on Lane Kiffin. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, like, if we're talking like a horse race here, <laughs> right now, Lane Kiffin, you have to feel like he's the uh, secretariat here. He's he's like a tremendous machine way out front. There might be a dark horse or, or two uh, in the ballpark. And, and that's then, what I'm interested in. And see. then you know Hugh Freeze is going to be in the conversation all the way to the end. I just I don't see a way that he's not um, in the conversation or or he would ever lose interest in this Auburn job. Um, and he basically said as much when he was like, look, I'm not I'm not even sure of or he when he said, pointed out that he's not sure if Auburn has interest in him. I think Auburn has interest in him. I just don't think he's the top guy. He may not be the top two guys. Who knows? I mean, it's it's you you hear a lot that he is still in there. I think he very much is. Um, but this does feel like there's so much Lane Kiffin buzz that Auburn has almost backed itself into a corner where anything other than Lane Kiffin or a name equal to or bigger than Lane Kiffin is going to feel like a significant letdown. Like I wouldn't have felt that way 
a week and a half ago when we were talking about Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. But now there's so much Lane Kiffin buzz. It feels like, like Lane Kiffin has to be the guy or you have to go bigger if, if there is a name like that out there. Well, it goes back to the athletic director search, right? That took so long, it felt like, for Auburn to finally find somebody to be the new athletic director. And a lot of the Auburn fan base and the Auburn faithful were starting to get a little restless and starting to get a little frustrated because Auburn and President Roberts never gave out any information. I mean, none. They didn't give any updates. They didn't give any names. They didn't give any leads. They didn't give anything. And Auburn fans were frustrated and just like, give us something so we at least know what's going on. They didn't do that. And it turns out it worked out because they went and hired somebody that nobody was talking about, was John Cohen. I mean, this guy was not even in the discussion, with us at least, about being the new athletic director and so that's what I'm interested in is with this Auburn head coaching hire who's going to be that dark horse name whether he's hired or not whether it comes out before during or after this coaching search who's going to be that dark horse that comes out and we find out maybe it's two or three weeks after Auburn hires him maybe it's the guy that Auburn hires right and they come out and we find out wow this guy wasn't even being talked about but yet he was in the running yeah, I think that that there's absolutely probably a name or two in that category. Uh, if you if you listen to uh, Josh Pate, he made some very vague comment on some video he did about Auburn recently, where he's like, "There's two really really big names out there that that nobody knows about," and I was like, "Okay, what does that mean?" Yeah, uh, and so I, yeah, I think there's absolutely probably a big name or two. Kind of loosely circling the uh, job, but right now, going back to my horse analogy, Lane Kiffin's out in front what what feels like about 20 lengths right now, and and it's a matter of uh, can he just, can it get across the, the, the finish line for me? I mean, it just, it feels like there's so much momentum around the Lane Kiffin buzz publicly. I would bet that that's probably going to be where this goes. You're saying the lane train's picking up some steam, huh? Gosh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think that's where Auburn go is going, but who knows? We're never, we're not going to know until we know. That's my biggest thing. We got to get to a break. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, he'll be joining us on the other side. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes left here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Welcoming in Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for Outkick and he joins us every single Tuesday. Trey, happy Tuesday, man. Hopefully the weather is better over there than it is down here. No, it's uh, it's ugly up here in uh, in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. It's uh, it, it's cold. It's rainy. It'd be nice if some snow came down. I did see some snow though this past weekend, so I will uh, 
I'll take it, but uh, no, hell, it's, it's ugly here. Yeah, it's nasty here as well. Cold front, it's raining, it's just nasty. It's one of those days where you just want to sit inside, right? But let's talk some college football. Of course, we had some good SEC action over the weekend. None of the results were just like blow you away, super, super surprising, but how about Auburn beating Texas A&M? Coach Cadillac gets his first win as the interim head coach. Auburn wins 13-10 to against Texas A&M. What do you think of that? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was ugly, but it, it felt like old-school Auburn defensive type of battle. And, and, and for them, for what they did, you know, in the running game, I thought Robbie Ashford handled himself nicely. I thought Cadillac. Um, and I call him Cadillac, by the way. I know some people might call him Coach Williams or whatnot, but I grew up on Cadillac. Great guy. Just wanted to throw that out there. But what what he was able to do when it comes to, to, to getting his guys motivated, doing the right things, having such a stripped-down staff as well, um, I, I think it speaks volumes. And I was looking forward to that game for the entire week just because I knew the, the Auburn fans would show up, make that atmosphere absolutely bonkers, which they did. And it looked like through television. It, it, it was just – it was good to see that much enthusiasm out of the fan base and, and, and giving them something to cheer for as well. I mean, you, when you really break it down, you got a, a, a young – been deflated Auburn football team before, you know, Coach Cadillac got the job and, and them beating Texas A&M. Like, Texas A&M just continues to play bad football. But I think it's also what opponents are doing. So I, I give a lot of credit to Auburn players for stepping up, getting that nice win at home. Um, now they, you know, back it up again against Western Kentucky. And uh, let's see what happens in the Iron Bowl. So it's just um, – it, it, it seems like things are going swell right now on the Plains uh, with an interim coach, by the way, which is just wild. So something we've seen in the Cadillac Williams era here is a recommitment to the run game. As you see, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter both run for 121 yards apiece. What have you seen out of the, the I guess, the changes under Cadillac and the, the mentality shift and how – how has that resonated with you? Has it impressed you? What, is it, what has it been like for you? What's impressed me is they, they, it's more gritty in the trenches. I mean, that's the biggest thing to me is, you know, they're, they're opening up holes. Um, you know, Tank and Hunter are able to get to the outside as well, get off tackle, you know, get down the field. You know, those five, six-yard grunt plays, you know, they, they stand out to me. You're just seeing a lot more enthusiasm out of this offense. And, and I think that, you know, a, a lot of it, you know, look, if we're being frank with each other, you know, they, they got an injection of life after Harson left. And, and this feels like a new football team. Now, if they play, you know, if, if, if Carnell Williams was the coach and they had to play Penn State again, and they had to play others, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I still think they lose. Maybe not as bad. Um, but, but you look at what he's been able to do in the short period of time. And, you know, first off, it's just bonkers in, in that building, you know, trying to get everybody, okay, who's controlling meetings? Who's, who's doing the offensive scouting report? You know, what, what, what's going on with the play calling? Like putting this all together is, is such a problem and, and a job in itself. And then for the players to go on the field and execute, I give a lot of credit. Uh, to those Auburn kids that, that are out there just fighting. And, uh, 
you know, for, for a game like that, comes down to four quarters, and, and Auburn pulls it out and takes care of business. Just what an electric atmosphere that was. And, and the scenes first, you know, coming out of the tunnel to the scenes after the game could, could not be any happier for Cadillac Williams and uh, those Auburn players. Speaking with Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, he joins us every Tuesday here on On the Line. Looking around the other results of the Southeastern Conference, Georgia wins easily, Tennessee wins easily, LSU wins a nasty game against Arkansas, Alabama wins on the road at Ole Miss, Vanderbilt beats Kentucky, Florida takes care of South Carolina. Your reactions to the rest of the results around the SEC on Saturday? Congratulations to the Commodores. Uh, getting that big win. I mean, that's look, I, I know that, that it doesn't make national headlines, and, and I completely understand that because you're talking about a Vanderbilt team that had lost 26 straight in the SEC. But for them to just sack up and go to Kentucky and, and beat Kentucky the way that they did with Mike Wright throwing the football around, like that stood out to me. Like, uh, uh, good for Clark Lee, good for those football players, you know, getting that win. Um, you know, they're. We came into the season and the over-under on win total for Vanderbilt was two and a half, and they're sitting at four now. You know, they've got the same amount of SEC wins as Texas A&M does. You know, who would have thought that coming into the year? So, you know, credit to credit to Vanderbilt. Um, LSU, I always thought going into that game it was going to be very interesting for, for him, for, for Brian Kelly to get his squad you know, motivated enough to go to Arkansas. And, and Arkansas had a little bit of a different flair with Malik Hornsby, a quarterback. But, you know, LSU gets it done. They got some help from from Alabama beating Ole Miss, and, and they're going to head to the SEC championship game and play Georgia, which is going to be a tough matchup for them. But, you know, if we're talking about, you know, all the games, Ole Miss is uh, a couple plays away from beating Alabama. I don't think this is an Alabama squad that is, is impressive to me as they have been mm-hmm. in years past. There's gaps in this football team. And Ole Miss almost got it done. Almost is not good enough, but, but they were close and they had a shot. And um, so, you know, you, you got to give a little bit of credit to, to, to Lane Kiffin and them. They should have got it done, though. But I, I feel like this Alabama team is, um, you know, just, what's the best way to put it without being mean? Uh, they are a squad that has a lot of flaws that are covered up by their quarterback and their, and their running backs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm interested to see what the rest of the season looks like. Kind of looking out in uh, College Station, Texas A&M is now 3-7. and seven. They Ooh. will probably get this win this weekend against UMass, I would assume. But uh, <laughs> then, then they get LSU, which probably isn't looking – the most like the most optimistic outcome for them. If things go four and eight out in College Station, where are they going to be at? Is this a is it a feasible thing that we could see them spend eighty five million dollars to to have Jimbo pack his bags? The problem with that is who is available that you would go get right now, and and I think easily. You know, a, a coach would leave a big time job to take Texas A&M. I, I, I do think that just because of the money situation and everything Collins Station has to offer. But man, if we're just looking at Texas A&M as a whole, it's a bad football team. Um, you know, you, you, you're probably going to be sitting at, at four and eight. 
to end the year. You got to get past UMass first, which UMass got blown out last weekend. But who knows what happens when Texas A&M takes the field on Saturday? I'm not calling an upset or anything like that. But do they come out and play slow? I mean, how is this team motivated? We were talking about Texas A&M potentially, you know, playing for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. You know, nine weeks ago, and and now they're going to be going home early for the holidays once next week's up against LSU. So, you know, lots of problems down in College Station. And Jimbo's going to have to give up a lot of control of this football team if he doesn't want to, excuse me, enter 2023 with the hottest of seats in the SEC and even around the country. I, I I just feel like in talking with folks, there's a lot of problems right now. And it's not just on the field. There's a lot of problems with, with personnel, a lot of pirate problems with buying into the program. And, you know, Jimbo Fisher has not helped his offense as much either, rolling out that, that difficult scheme that they play with. So just a mess right now in College Station. Well, Trey, couldn't A&M, would they go after somebody like Lane Kiffin, who Auburn's going after right now for their coaching vacancy, if A&M were to fire Jimbo? If A&M, look, if A&M were to fire Jimbo Fisher, Jimmy Sexton would probably have Lane Kiffin the job in college station. I mean, I, I honestly think that's how it would play out. And and I would imagine, after talking with a few folks in the last couple of days, that scenario has been floated to the Regents in, in College Station. Um, but it just doesn't feel like they're ready to make that call right now, Texas A&M, and, and get rid Now, look. You come out and lose to UMass on Saturday, it's a wrap. There ain't no way Jimbo Fisher comes back. But I don't see them losing to UMass on Saturday. Um, the program will be in a nosedive. They're already in a nosedive. I don't know what's worse than a nosedive besides going right into the mountain. Um, but but they're in it. And, and, and it's just not a good look for the program, period. Um, and, and recruiting, you know, recruiting is going to be the same. They're going to be fine when it comes to recruiting. They've got the NIL. You know, Jimbo's going to hit the portal up. But I'm telling you, they're going to enter this offseason with a lot of problems that aren't able to be fixed in the short term. You know, mm-hmm. this is going to be something that, you know, play calling, defense, you name it, they got to fix it, and it's not something you can fix within two months. So I kind of with the, the – potential of would would public perception give them any I guess hesitancy because being in Auburn we know how much Auburn got clowned for spending 21 million dollars to make Gus Miles on go away we're talking about four times that we're talking about breaking the scale for buyouts is there any thought to the public perception of them spending that much money to to make Jimbo Fisher go away or is or is that even being considered at all I mean Look, there are enough guys, regions around that Texas A&M program that if they went out to the the country club tomorrow afternoon and put a hat on the table and said, hey, write a check, put it in there, let's see if we can get to the number, they'd get to the number within 15 minutes. Um, But it's all about, you know, perception, what you're doing in College Station. And a lot of people get, like, this isn't something like, okay, well, Jimbo came in two years ago and he's having to rebuild the – no, Jimbo's been around that program for long enough. We've seen other teams fire coaches quicker than that. We see some schools give coaches two years. I mean, look what just happened down on the plains. You know, the, the thing Jimbo's got going for him is 
So he, he he's got a he's got a title. Okay, thanks to Jameis. Um, you you look at the recruiting that he's been able to put together, recruiting classes that he's been able to put together, transfer portal players. Um, he, he's selling that. He's going to sell that to the people at Texas A and M, and he's already doing it right now. Um, and, and if you know if they buy it, then he's going to be around. But the biggest thing is for people out there listening is it's not like his buyout drops much. It drops ten million dollars. But let's let's be very very frank with each other here. Eighty-five million and seventy-five million really ain't that big of a deal. If, if we're, you know, if he's getting his guaranteed buyout, hey, ten million dollars you know, is a big deal to me. I don't know how much you're making uh, up there in Tennessee, Trey. Look, we're never going to make that type of money. <laughs> so to him, it really, you know, to the to the people in College Station. That's right. That's right. What's an extra? What's an extra ten million dollars? You know what I mean? Like that. That's my thing. Like, no doubt. They can go to. They can go to one of their guys and get the extra ten million dollars if need be. So what I'm getting at is that I, I don't I don't think money is going to be a factor when it comes to Jimbo because it doesn't drop much. And when I you know I, I hate to be that guy, but eighty five to seventy five next year to me is not that much for boosters and regents at, at, at in College Station to raise. So that's why I think look, money's not going to be a factor if they feel like he can't lead this program going into the future. They're going to make a change. Speaking with Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, sort of transitioning into Auburn's head coaching uh, search, which is continuing to go on. The timeline we continue to talk about is that day after, the Monday after the Iron Bowl, to make the announcement of a new head coach. What can you tell us that uh, your thoughts on what this head coaching search looks like, if you've got any information? Are you able to break news that Auburn's got a new coach today, Trey? I'm not, no, not comfortable breaking any news that Auburn. <laughs> That Auburn's got a new head coach. It's worth a shot. Money, well, some of these money figures that I keep hearing out of Auburn, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's a little bit too rich, okay? Lane <laughs> Kiffin's not coming into Auburn and making more than Kirby Smart or Nick Saban. It's not happening. You know, I, 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 we were talking right before I went on the air, and I about laughed myself to death, you know, with, with a figure that was thrown out there by – Somebody that, that's reporting it. I'm not going to name any names, but give me a break. Come on now. I mean, $12 million a year, $10 million a year. I mean, he's not Kirby, you know, and that's the thing. He's not Nick. And to be honest with you, you know, he, he, maybe he gets around the Jimbo number per se, maybe he gets around that number. But, man, you know, first off, let's be very frank and clear on this. Uh, Kirby has a clause and Nick Saban has a clause that says if somebody makes more than them and then gives a new contract and they make more, they have to go back to the table and renegotiate the contract. So, you know, if, if, if Lane all of a sudden makes you know, $11 million or something like that, oh, Kirby's going to be like, wait a minute, let's go back to the table. We've got to renegotiate our deals. So I'm just saying, I, I think the ballpark figure is somewhere between that you know, that, that 8 to 10 range, I think that's fair because he's going to make money as well on the outside of that too. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not just about what he's making from the university. And, and, and you know. We're going to find out. I, I wrote about Lane today. Um, I have uh, I've talked with people around the Ole Miss program. I've talked to people close to Lane Kiffin about this decision. It's not just about money, guys. It, it's about family as well. I, I wrote about that today. Um, 
been talking about, you know, he is he is very, very stable and happy right now when it comes to where his family is at. His daughter moved to Oxford, you know, during the off season. She's in high school now up there. They're hanging out all the time at the house. You know, his son would love to spend more time with his father in Oxford. He's always traveling over from California when he lives, you know, since he lives with his mother. He, he would love to be, you know, with his father. So this is not just going to come down to money. Lane Kiffin got money. Um, I think it comes down to, you know, where does he see himself in the next 10 to 15 years? And for being really honest, I could see him at Ole Miss. He ain't going anywhere at Ole Miss. He ain't getting fired at Ole Miss. You keep winning 10, 11 games, have your team competing for an SEC championship, or at least in the run, and, and when expansion happens, you're in the playoff conversation and the talk, like, that's fine. Auburn's a different animal. You know it, I know it. So there, there are a lot of different equations that go into Lane Kiffin and Auburn, and I would just say money's not going to be the driving factor that makes him take that job. He writes for OutKick covering the SEC. It's Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC. He joins us every Tuesday here on the show, man. We appreciate you and your time. It's always a blast talking college football with you, brother. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all of your great work with OutKick. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate you having me on. I always love Tuesdays. Um, you can follow me at Trey Wallace underscore on Twitter. Follow all my work at OutKick.com. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week. I think you guys will know who your next head coach is by the time we come on air next Tuesday around this time. There you wow. go. Wow. All right, Trey. Like dropping dropping like a bomb that. on the way out. We appreciate you, man. That. Talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. That, that is Trey Wallace. He joins us every Tuesday here on the show. He says we'll know Auburn's head coach by this time Love it. next Tuesday. We'll see if he's right. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back, wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Trey Wallace, who just got off the phone. Uh, he covers the SEC for OutKick. We in, uh, appreciate him coming on, and we always enjoy his conversation, our conversation with him. And he predicts that Auburn will have its head coach, or we will at least know who Auburn's head coach is by this time next week. So we'll see what that or how that goes. We'll see if that's the case this time next week. But we do want to remind you that tonight over on 96.3 W. Lee, one of our sister stations here at Auburn Network, you can tune in for Auburn High Boys Basketball as they are getting underway in their second game of the season. They play tonight at 6.30-ish. The girls game is not being played tonight. It got canceled. They normally start around 5. It is not playing, so it's just the boys tonight. And, uh, of course, you can listen to our good buddy Jack Hutton, who is the voice of the Auburn High Basketball Tigers. So, be sure you tune into that 6.30 over on 96.3 W. Lee. They've been having rotary days over there all day, so I've been helping with that. i got to go help some more over there as soon as we're done here. Uh, it's a very, very busy day. We also have City Council tonight on News Talk W. WANI uh, 98.7. So it's a busy day here at Auburn Network. But if you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and find the podcast, ESPNAU.com. You can find it commercial free right after the show. So be sure you go and do that. Carter, you got about 10 seconds, brother. What'd you think about Trey's bomb at the end? Uh, I 
tend to agree with him. I think it's going to be about that that timeline. By the way, they have Desmond Howard asking if if USC's resume is strong enough to get in the college football playoff. Whatever he says, I'm going to say it's going to be the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we figured out that Desmond Howard is maybe not the most reliable at predictions in this college football season. Look, we're out of time, man. we got to get out of here. The Drive with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck, coming up 4-6 to six right here on ESPN 106.7. Stay dry, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.